Awesome. Good morning, True North Church. As always, I'm excited to get to be here today and teach. So uh, just so you know, we will not be in the prayer series this week. Uh, This week, you actually get to get a little piece of what we do in student ministry every week. So I'm excited to get to do that. Uh, In the student ministry right now, we are going through the book of Jonah. And for me, it has been one of the most fun series to do. I've learned a lot myself about me, just uh, reflecting on Jonah and who he is. So what I get to do today is present to you what's been probably the most impactful message for me and hope that you can uh, catch up to where we are in the story of Jonah, but also learn from Jonah and his experience. So that being said, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, Jonah chapter 4. But before we begin, I feel like I need to catch you up just a little bit. As I said, we've been in the series. You have not uh, heard every message that I have given. The students have. For the students, this will be a little bit of a repeat, but for many of you, this will be new. So uh, what you'll see up on the screen right now is there is a pattern in the book of Jonah. There is uh, two really just iterations of something that happens in Jonah's life. So if you look up at the screen... Uh, I just want you to see this. Uh, In the very first verse of the Bible, God's word comes to Jonah. You also see in chapter 3, verse 1, that God's word comes to Jonah. And you can see throughout the rest of this, I'm not going to go through each verse, but there is a pattern that's very evident when you break this passage or this uh, book of the Bible down. And it's interesting because what it shows us is that there is a sin pattern in Jonah's life. And what you can see at the end of each iteration, God teaches Jonah what? Grace. He teaches Jonah grace through his sin patterns. And this is what this shows me, okay? And I know you already know this. If you're a Christian, you've experienced this. Our walk with Jesus is a process, right? It's called sanctification. We experience it every day. We feel the weight of it every day. It is a process. We have patterns of brokenness. And this is what we see, where we have patterns of brokenness in our life. Jesus matches those patterns of brokenness with his patterns of grace. And what we also see through uh, just this outline of Jonah's story is God can teach us through anything. We see that he can teach us through a fish, a whale, and he can also teach us through a plant. Anybody in here learning something today through something very bizarre? (laughs) Jonah, in this story, he gets to learn grace through a well and through a plant. This shows us that God's passion and his love for us has no limits whatsoever. So the passage that we're going to look today comes at the very end of both of these iterations of this pattern for Jonah. It comes when he's learning grace the second time. And we're going to actually look at his response. If you look at this pattern, you'll see that we are experiencing Jonah once again, experiencing God's grace in Jonah 4, 1 through 4. This is the second time God uses Jonah to show grace to non-believers, okay? So if you know the story of Jonah, you know that the first time he's able to teach God's grace, or at least 
reluctant, reluctantly teach God's grace is on a ship to pagans. And the second time is to the Ninevites. And I don't know if you know this about Assyria. Uh, Nineveh is the capital. And in that day, they were mean. Okay, uh, One of the things we've talked about is they were so mean that they would make family members carry the heads uh, of their family members around on poles to show their commitment to Assyria and Nineveh. So Jonah coming to Nineveh is coming with all this hurt and this pain of Assyria or Nineveh has done all of this evil to my people. So this is the second time. This is the second time that God is teaching uh, Jonah grace. And I want you to see his response. So this is Jonah 4, 1 through 4. I might backtrack a little bit and read the previous two verses just so you can get the context a little bit more. It says this, when God saw what Nineveh did, okay, Nineveh repents, they say we're going to stop doing these evil things, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he has said he would do to Nineveh, and he did not do it. Now we get into Jonah's response, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is it not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? So this is what I see in this story, okay? I if you're a Christian today, if you're a believer in God and his grace today, this response, even though we know the story of Jonah pretty well, this is a pretty unexpected response because God is showing grace to a people and Jonah is just mad. He's just mad. He's angry. He's furious. He didn't expect God's word to change anything in these evil people. He even calls Yahweh, he uses Yahweh, the specific word for God in the Old Testament. He calls Yahweh out. And this points to the fact that Jonah just has trust issues. And what we see is these trust issues come from a theological question that he has in his mind. How can God protect his people? How can God protect Israel but also give grace to Israel's enemies. And you've got to be honest here. Uh, Jonah's fear is valid. These people were cruel. They were harsh. But what we also see is his beliefs of the identity of God are just all wrong. And here's what's funny is this looks like this could be a theological issue with Jonah because he's asking this hard question. But this is what I believe. When we dive deeper into what is going on in Jonah, we see that this theological question, this theological issue is not just theological. It's a heart issue. And here's what I know. The more I understand people, the more I understand me. Theological issues that I come across, uh, big questions that I have just about God and who he is, aren't just theological. <laughs> they usually point to a heart issue that I have. And I hope you see that, because I see it in Jonah. We also got to accept that there is nobody in this story who thinks he is more right than Jonah. 
which is pretty difficult because he's going up against God, <laughs> who is always right. He is never wrong. So we've got to ask this question, why? Why is Jonah facing this theological slash heart issue? Well, the truth is that there is something in his life that he valued more than God and his way. There is something in his life that he valued more than God's grace in his life and in the life of others. If Jonah does not get what Jonah wants, he is more than willing to let go of parts of his trust that he has in God. He's basically saying this. You can see this up on the screen. I won't fully serve, obey, worship. You can fill in whatever word you want there. I will not serve, obey, or worship you until you give me or us blank. That's what he's struggling with. There's something he values more. And there's many of us here this morning who are saying, God, I kind of trust you. You promised good things, but I really don't plan to serve you until you give me blank. And unfortunately, whatever fills that blank in our lives is stealing the love, the devotion that we could have for God. It is stealing the joy, peace, and life that comes with having communion with Jesus. And church, when we have things like this in our lives, they are called idols. Whatever fills this blank in your life today could just be your idol. For idol, it was his nation. He was a patriot. People knew him very well. Uh, he uh, was very passionate about bringing God's word to the Israelites. He was all for their security and their safety. And as soon as their enemies were blessed by God's grace, he panicked. We see that in his story. That was his idol. But here's what we need to know about Jesus. Jesus actively removes our idols. It's a process. Whatever fills your blank today, whatever it is in that statement that's keeping you from truly obeying and worshiping God, God is actively, if you're a believer today, he's actively trying to weed it out and remove it from your life. And here's what's funny is today, uh, our natural response to this is, well, that's not me. I don't have idols. I know what Tyler's idols are. I know what my spouse's idols are. But me, I have none. I am in right standing with God. Because here's what we get to do next. We get to look and find our idols and say, what do we do with these idols in our lives? But you have to approach. You've got to ask God, God, just or Holy Spirit, give me the ability to see these idols in my life. So here's what I'm going to do today. I don't really plan to tell you that you have idols because I feel like you might battle me a little bit in your minds. Here's what I want you to see is I want you to see symptoms that you might have in your life that are caused by these idols that you have. Are any of you like me, okay? You wake up and your back hurts. You might have like a slight pink eye. You have a cough. So you think, I'm not going to the doctor, it's only slight. It's not that big of an issue. So what you do is you pull out your phone and you go to self-diagnose yourself. Anybody do this? Is it just me? None of you are going to want to hang out with me after this. So 
you stop scrolling for a few minutes, you pull out your phone and you type in, I got a small sore throat, I got a slight pink eye, what do I have? Am I the only one? Okay. You use like small adjectives to act like it's not really that big of a deal when it really is. You say like I barely tweaked my back, I have a slight cough, my pinky toe hurts a little bit, like what's going on? And every time you look and you find a response, (laughs) I think it's only me because nobody else is admitting to it. I don't blame you for not admitting to it. Um, What we really probably should do is just stop doing this and just go to the doctor. But here's what I want you to see is usually we can see our symptoms before we know what the sickness is. Okay, so this is my hope is today we can look at some of the symptoms that uh, Jonah has in his life and maybe it will point to the sickness that we have. So here's the first thing I see. This is a symptom that Jonah has. We don't expect God's word to change anything. We don't expect God's word to change anything. Jonah did not expect God's word to change Nineveh. He didn't expect it. When this happens in our lives, sin patterns, we talked about this earlier, the sin pattern that Jonah had in his life to stop, not stop and surrender to God, but just to keep persist on, I'm going to serve my country. Uh, That pattern continued to persist, persist in his life because he did not expect God's word to change him. Whenever we do not expect God's word to change us, when we wake up and we do not expect to be changed, sin patterns persist in our life. So that's the first symptom. The second symptom is this. We use God's word to defend our idols. In this passage, Jonah basically quotes Exodus 34, 6, but he ignores verse 7. In verse 6 of Exodus, it talks about how God is compassionate and gracious. Those are the exact words that Jonah uses when arguing with God. But he's ignoring verse 7. If you look at Exodus 34, 7, you'll see that he is ignoring the fact that God forgives the wicked. For Jonah, there's like a hierarchy of sin. There's, this sin is way worse than this sin, and that is what he is experiencing. He is defending himself. And if you're using God's word to today to defend yourself, you are most likely using it wrong. Here's what we know about God's word. God's word humbles us. It critiques us. It encourages us despite our falls. It shows us that we are broken. So if you're using it in any way to just prove that you're right, that there's nothing wrong with you, then you're probably wrong. In fact, the only other example we have of anybody quoting scripture for their own good is Satan when he tempts Jesus. And the truth is, if you're defending your idols today, that lie probably came straight from him. I mean, just even think back to Adam and Eve and the idol that they had. They were convinced they needed something so much, and it was Satan, our enemy, who went up to them first and said, hey, you need this. And the truth is they really didn't. We are just as capable of doing that. The next symptom, we make God's work more simple than it is. 
Jonah experienced a well and experienced God's grace and assumed after that that God's work with him was done. But what he finds out is eventually there's a plant that teaches him God's grace all over again. This is like the person who would say, well, this sin in my life was finally removed. God acted so powerfully in my life and I stopped, I don't know, cussing. But there's still just sin patterns in your life of brokenness. But you don't expect it to really change. That's us making his work simple. What we also see symptom-wise, we make others the enemy. In this story, it is pretty obvious who Jonah's enemy is. It's Nineveh. In Jonah 2.8, we see the conversation that he has with God in the well. And we see that even though he was experiencing God's grace in that moment, he still has pride. In it, we see him saying, Jesus or God provides salvation and grace. And then looking to others, he says, good luck getting it. He thought that grace had to be deserved, and he thought Nineveh didn't deserve it. People with this symptom don't know, (laughs) or they don't act like sanctification as a process in other people. So those are four symptoms, but when we look at the next ones, they hit even harder. The next symptom is we lose value in life. We say things like, I don't know what my purpose is anymore. I don't know why my life is worth living. I don't have whatever blank is. I don't have whatever my idol is. So I'm just going to sit over here out of the way and let others live their life. If God gives me what I want, I might start living again. But for now, I'm just going to sit here out of the way and try to get comfortable. So, what's the next symptom? Next, we experience anxiety, anger, and despair. In Jonah 4.4, 4, uh, in a different translation, it literally says, is it, or God says to Jonah, is it really good for you to have this kind? He's talking about a specific kind of anger. This anger that God is mentioning is the kind of anger that doesn't stir us to act in righteousness, but takes away from our life. The righteous anger that Jesus experienced, and we even see in Jesus as he's here on earth, stirred him to action. Anger over the lack of blank, whatever your idol is, always leads us to pout, do nothing, maybe even to act aggressively. And the final symptom is this. We shortcut what God has called us to. We shortcut what God has called us to. Jonah had an incredible mission. God gives him two chances to go to Nineveh and deliver God's word. And he does it reluctantly. He walks in, he gives the message. We see that Nineveh repents And then he just walks off. These people who have a heart and they're in a place of wanting to repent and turn from their evil ways, this believer in God and God's grace walks off. He shortcutted his mission. This morning, you might have already given up on a spouse. You might 
have already given up on a sibling or a job or a role that you have. Because there's an idol, there's something in your life that you do not have and you are working so hard to get it. We see that Jonah was willing to shortcut what God had called him to. And we need to be actively seeing if we're doing the same thing. So if you're experiencing just the tug or the pull of any of these symptoms, if you see them in your life, I believe they point or could point to an idol in your life. If you're currently in a place of just saying, I need this, you need to know that God might just keep you there needing whatever that is. If you think you need something other than him so badly, he might just keep you there needing it until you learn that you don't need it anymore. And here's the good news. This, if you feel that today, is evidence of God working in your life. The only question is, will you surrender that idol? On Thursday night, and I'm just telling you the story to help you maybe even more identify what your idol is. Uh, this Thursday night, me and the high school boys, we got together and we talked about this message. And for me, in just the message-making process, uh, I really do evaluate a lot the nature of my week this week. I was pretty rushed to get to Thursday and uh, speak this message, so I didn't do enough self-reflection. So what happens then is I get to reflect on my own life pretty well right in front of the students, and it happened. And what I did is I looked through these symptoms, and I was like, man, I have this in my life. I have this, and I have this. And what it pointed to, and I hope you feel this, if you don't sense an idol in your life, what it pointed me to is my idol is me. I am doing everything in my world to make my life about me. I am doing everything to defend me. I stress myself out to defend me. And just even looking at Jonah's life and just you could say that it was all just about him being a patriot and being loved by Israel, but there was something about that that he was just fighting for his own safety and his own security. So if you, don't, if you haven't been able to identify an idol yet, I wonder if it could be you. As I said before, having idols, it points to a heart issue. And heart issues usually point to theological issues, and theological issues usually point to heart issues. So I truly believe that the solution to this message, if you have an idol in your life, it's probably theological. The solution to this idol is truly believing that you only need Jesus. You only need Jesus. In fact, a very simple prayer that you can pray that would just contradict uh, the other statement we talked about earlier today is I don't need blank. I don't need this idol in my life because I have Jesus. And I just hope that we can spend time this week finding our idols and praying this over our lives. I wanted to end with just a story of just Jesus and somebody just fully surrendering to Jesus. It comes in Luke 23, 35 through 43. Uh, this will not be up on the screen. This was a last minute edition, so you get to hear it from me or read along in your Bibles. 
Once again, it is Luke 23, 35 through 43. It says this, and the, the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at Jesus. Okay, so just to give you reference, this is the day that Jesus dies for all of us. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him. Saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, he, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, there are two next to him, who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him. So there's two. This one's rebuking the one who just said that. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said back to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What we see here is two people. We see two people. One person is looking to Jesus and mocking him. He presents a very theological question. Why don't you just save yourself? And the other one looks to Jesus and says, you know what, I know who you are. You are all that you need. <laughs> you are all that I need. And Jesus' response, today you get to join me in paradise. That is what he is offering today to anybody who would just look and say, I only need you. So with that, I'm going to pray we'll continue in worship. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us all here today. I just want to pray that we truly reflect and we just see our idols in our lives. Even if it's just us, God, even if we are the idol that we worship, that we serve, God, I pray that you will just help us to see that. I just pray that we're able to talk about this in life groups, God. And ultimately, just pray that whatever this issue is, God, and just being both theological and, and just a heart issue, God, that we truly just turn and serve you and just know that we only need you. In Jesus' name.